Hey man, it's me, Kevin Smith, and my God, I love Kevin Smith, and the good folks at Funko have popped me again, ladies and gentlemen. That's right. There is a director pop, Kevin Smith, and how embarrassing I'm dressed exactly like him. Look at it. He's wearing a hat, purple jacket, written, directed by Kevin Smith shirt. So thank you to the good folks at Funko Pop. You looking for this? You want to add this to your collection? Guess what, kids? Amazon exclusive. That's right. You go to amazon.com slash Jane Silent Bob. We got a whole bunch of Jane Silent Bob merch there. That's where you're going to find this pop. Also, janesilentbob.com. At Jane Silent Bob Secret Stash, we're going to be doing signed versions. We got a limited amount that we that Amazon let us buy from them. And so we're tagging them. Me, Kevin, will be signing them all. And then, bam, you'll be able to buy them signed just in time for the holidays, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Not Fat Man Beyond, Black Man Beyond. Because our boy Kevin Smith is uh, is off in the in in the bosom of his origins in New Jersey, launching his movies pop up and doing a, a podcast with Jason Mewes, um, leaving me to my own devices. Uh, we are not at the Scum and Villainy Cantina today because it seemed as if um, without Kev there was no real reason for me to drive anywhere, um, and also in order to preserve any sense of of uh, I don't know uh, viral decorum. That for my special guest host, Itide Badaki, we would just do it on Zoom like, you know, people are supposed to do. Um, also, she is in the desert preparing for a zombie apocalypse. I so am in the not. desert preparing for, well, who isn't, though? At this who point. isn't? Right. It feels like we're at the time where uh, every, every other plague <laughs> is... Locusts, murder hornets, I mean... You know, like evil mosquitoes, fire earthquakes, droughts, hurricanes. I feel as if we are in the third act of like a biblical apocalypse movie. Pretty much. But I also would want to give that writer notes and say, you know, maybe you don't want to be so heavy handed. Too much? Like <laughs> yeah, maybe much. Yeah. A, a, a little, a little, uh, a letter touch, I think would, we, we get it. Ease off it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Is it possible to have too many stakes? Because I feel like we kind of do many stakes uh, i think 2020 is the prime example of too many stakes yeah we could all use a rewrite on mm -hmm. this year um but i am so glad that you were able to make some time uh to hang out with me tonight because we've wanted to do this for a long time um at least a year i think maybe more we've been trying to figure out like you were off in 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 the canada. hinterlands of canada um you know shooting American gods and we were here and then Kevin was on tour and I was like, now's the time. And you were like, I can maybe make it back this weekend. I don't know. Uh, and it just didn't work, but today we got it. Yeah. Yeah. Today we friggin' got it. So we did it everybody. Mm -hmm. um, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm also a little nervous. It's a combination of both. <laughs> don't, don't be nervous. This will be the easiest thing. This is just like, you know, a zoom you would always ordinarily do with a person. Right. Just, I figure you're going to get unedited your day because uh, you mark. <laughs> Outstanding. <laughs> we win. Um, when did we first meet? I was trying to do it's It's so hard to do um, this sort of like um, digital, uh, you know, detective work to figure out when you met somebody you mostly know from the Internet. Um, Our chase. 
Um, who the what now? The car chase. Yes, we went out to dinner. We were both invited to dinner by um, Sci-Fi Wire Cher Martinelli, who was in town, and she's like, "Meet me for dinner." And I said, "Okay, I'm happy, sure, happy to do that." And uh, and I didn't know that she also invited other people mm-hmm. because she's uh, she's also from Jersey, and Jersey people are rude. Um, <laughs> I did like, not say that. That's all. Mark. That's all that's, me. Yeah. Uh, I also lived in Jersey for a long time, and you know, I, I have love for Jersey, and yet, and yet, um, but you were at this dinner, and we were at some taqueria in like West Hollywood or something, and and we were eating, eating, and then suddenly, and there was drinking and eating, and then there was a car chase, like on the news, and that took over like the latter half of that evening. It pretty much took, I mean, what else can you focus on when there's just like this high-speed chase where they ended up going into like a subway tunnel? And then they, they did. Heard, remember? It was badass. Like it was Amazing. It was like, it was like speed, but for real, where like these do, like speed meets the Italian job. Where like, is it Fast a, and furious. meets the Fast and Furious. Like, is this a heist? What do they say? Why are they in the subway tunnels in downtown LA? Who does that? Yeah. <laughs> Who thinks that's a good idea? <laughs> Dom Toretto thinks that's a good idea. Yeah, but that, I remember that's the first time we met, and then we just kind of kept on geeking out after that, didn't we? I, I know, because I, I always relish finding another geek in the wild. Um, and because and, not to say that we are few and far between, but uh, but we are few and far between. <laughs> <laughs> As, you know, especially sort of geeks of color and especially geeks of color who are sort of professionally at work making geek shit. Um, it is a relatively small club. So to find one that you didn't know was one, you're like, oh, where have you been hiding? Where have you been all my life? <laughs> um, one of my favorite things was, was it last year San Diego Comic-Con? Where yes. Got to walk the floor, and there you were, and you made me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just—it was one of those because I have been for a long time. That that was the the last Comic Con. Um, would have was this would have been my twentieth Comic Con, like in a row. Wow. And uh, and so I've gotten to the point where I visit the floor sort of like twice a convention over those five days. It's like the first day that I'm there, I'll do like a get the lay of the land. And then the last day I'm there, I'll do like my last minute shopping and stuff. Right. But I just happened to have a signing on the floor that day. And so I was like, you know, let me just walk. Let me go to Artist Alley. I haven't been to Artist Alley yet. I want to see who's down there. And so I'm like, is that your tea day? Just kind of tooling around? Like just chilling. Just chilling as you do. Hanging out. You know. <laughs> I'm in fucking Comic-Con, man. What else am I supposed to do? What's up? And, uh, <laughs> and I was there again, thanks to Cher Martinetti. Her name's coming mm-hmm. up a little bit. But yeah, <laughs> the sci-fi um, Instagram takeover, sci-fi wire or sci-fi fangirls. That's right. That's right. So I, I found you on the floor and then we just walked around for like an hour and you took over an Instagram account and we found a bunch of cosplayers that were awesome. I remember we found like the Us family. They were so good. Who was just badass and frightening. Yeah. And, <laughs> and had a boombox too, playing the music. They did. They did, which was <laughs> amazing. But like, that's, that's my favorite experience of Comic-Con is walking around and having interesting, amazing things happen without plan. Like, because I've planned to see people at Comic-Con and those plans fall through. Um, it feels like it's a place that rewards happenstance in that the is, best way. That is um, 
and that was super fun. So yay. 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 <laughs> yay us for letting the random fate uh, thrust us together on the Comic-Con floor. Um, but tell, tell the people who might not know mm. the, the long and wonderful Yatide Badaki story. Um, want it all the way from the beginning. Like, let's go all the way back. Like, let's go. Let's go. Let's go to the motherland. Well, we are going to the motherland. <laughs> you know that. Uh, you also know my name means mother is back, right? I do. Yeah. Which is yeah. awesome. It's uh, yeah, because I was born a year after my grandmother died. Um, so basically, I'm my grandmother. Well, <laughs> we, we are all, the ancestors are coming through us at all times. This is true. This is um, true. My name doesn't mean very much. Uh, it means friggin' awesome. Well. I know this? I, I, I didn't see that in the baby book. Um, <laughs> it's like, which one of these names mean friggin' awesome? <laughs> oh, Mark. Mark and Bernard. Yeah. Yeah. I think literally just means to note. <laughs> interesting uh, but yeah it started in the motherland mm-hmm. it started with um i was tell talk about stories by the fire you know mm-hmm. with the elders i have a lot of family i don't know if you know this i have a lot of family how, how much is a lot of family like i think my granddad had maybe around 10 wives or something oh then, damn yeah on average they all had like maybe around 10 kids each. These are not exact numbers. Uh, (laughs) We're rounding up. (laughs) But that's the thing. Like I'm always running into family all around the world. And I actually think there's a family connect with Wumi on uh, um, Lovecraft. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really interesting. We found that out running into each other at an audition. (laughs) (laughs) I still remember we were there and she's like, yeah, I just saw your family at the, and yeah. Um, but I digress. You digress. digress. So the beginning is in Nigeria. Yes. In Nigeria stories by the fires where storytelling became a huge thing for me. Mm. Um, if if you ever get the chance to to listen to elder Nigerians tell Nigerians tell <laughs> stories, it's an experience. It really is. And you know, it wasn't until recently I realized that I had never that I hadn't actually seen Back to the Future Two when I thought I did, because <laughs> it was a cousin who had traveled and seen the movie and was telling all of us. <laughs> And it was so wonderfully done that I remember watching the movie. I'm like, no, that doesn't happen there. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The oral tradition. The oral tradition, right? (laughs) But uh, yeah, I was uh, born there. But then from three to six, I spent that time in England. Mm -hmm. Went back to Nigeria until I was 12. Um, Things, uh, there was quite a bit of unrest at that time. Mm. And which I've kind of jokingly, but not um, said, you know, the way things have been happening here, I, I was joking to someone the other day. I'm like, I feel like kind of I've been transported back to Nigeria with the rolling brownouts and the, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's a little surreal. Yeah, <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Um, I, I'm so Nigerian to England, back to Nigeria, then to the States. Yeah, then to the States. Um, from 12 to 16. Mm-hmm. And I started college at 16. Mm-hmm. Ooh, you're so smart. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
really good at what do they call it cramming ah that that would help with the learning the lines real quick yeah (laughs) kind of came the into the picture there um but that took me to montreal okay undergraduate and that's uh, where i continued to be able to sneak in some theater uh, nice until it became my major <laughs> and then, is that uh, McGill University? McGill University. It yeah. is literally the only college I know in Canada. <laughs> is it <laughs> Big, No, actually, because, uh, I mean, Shatner helps, but uh, mm-hmm. a, a, another a, a TV writer friend of mine, John Rogers, is a graduate from McGill mm-hmm. um, in physics. Like, he's got one of the biggest brains I've ever met. And then he went into TV writing, I'm assuming for the money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what physicists make, but... Um, yeah, McGill is a big science school, but what's weird is I know a lot of people who went to McGill, did the science majors, and then they're here in LA writing. (laughs) It's, it's fascinating. Again, it must be the money. Like I, I remember seeing a a news story about a a football player plays for the Kansas city chiefs. I think Mm -hmm. Laurent Duvenet Tardif, um, who is also a medical doctor who graduated from McGill University. And I'm like, that must, come on! Why isn't any Canadian I ever hear that went to college, went to that college? Went to McGill. (laughs) But I remember hanging out at the Shatner Building a lot, which technically we weren't supposed to call it the Shatner Building, but like, you know. Yeah, oh, come on. Yeah, who was not going to call it that? (laughs) Um, Did it have a very nice toupee? Is that why it's called the Shatner Building? <laughs> no, I don't remember. It's like the student building. And I don't remember why it's, a, you know, people first started calling it that. I remember why they said officially we shouldn't because it wasn't, you know, like something he had had dedicated. Right. Or, Somebody else paid a lot of money for that building that wasn't <laughs> William Shatner. <laughs> but we all called it the Shatner Building. because. Oh, well, good for you, Bill. <laughs> Um, then after that was um, auditioning for grad schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I still remember that trip to New York. Where me and my roommate went down. We had no money. So it was like a bag of bagels we bought for the weekend. Excellent. And uh, then the hotel, if you wanted light in the bathroom, you had to unscrew the light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> and like, plus, you also didn't want to look too closely at what was happening in the lobby. You know, it was... Uh, yeah. One of those. Yeah. <laughs> but that got me into Illinois State University. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Outstanding. Yeah. I, I, I feel like, I remember I went to, I went to a doctor, I had a doctor's appointment the other day. Yeah. And a woman's like, where are you from? You, your cell phone number. It's like, where's that area code? So I go to New Jersey. She says, oh, you don't have a New Jersey. You don't have an East Coast accent. I was like, well, here's the thing. My mother was born in the States. My father was born in Haiti. And I grew up in New York. And so all of those strong accents collided and have resulted in just neutrality. You just like, cancel each other out. They just all cancel each other out. And so I wonder if, if a lot of your international kind of hopscotching um, leaves you with a, a, a timber and a sound that doesn't betray. Yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah, that has a lot to do with it. And plus I heard a lot of different dialects mm-hmm. um, elementary school. Um, and yeah, it's usually voice coaches and stuff that tell, can tell immediately that I'm not mm. 
States. They're like, you have no regionalism at all. It's very transatlantic, you know. So when when did your uh, when did your nerdery mm. begin to 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 evince itself? You know, like like a mutant in the X Men. <laughs> was it like fourteen years old along with puberty? Was it before then? Was it after then? I mean, I guess I'm that rare. Well, not rare, but I'm an early mutant then. Mm. It was pretty much from the get-go. Um, <laughs> I mean, those stories by the fire, yes, there's a lot of, uh, you know, great uh, God stories and things like that there, mythology. And then I love Norse mythology and Greek mythology. And uh, I mean, as soon as I could pick up something to read, um, I was looking at that stuff and I was reading a lot of stuff that I probably shouldn't have at like six years old. Oh boy. Yeah, I remember, but my uncle was a professor and I remember going to his place and he had the, I think it was the Hans Christian Andersen, um, uh, the fairy tales. Was it Hans? Hmm. Um, it's the ones where they're all just really bloody. Oh, Grimm's fairy tales. Grimm's, there we go. <laughs> and everyone died and people's yes. feet were cut off. And I just mm-hmm. remember returning it with like this look on my face, like that was not what I was expecting. Um, do you have more? Do you have more though? Exactly. <laughs> um, and from there, like things like Ray Bradbury, you know, Stephen King, uh, Isaac Asimov, as far back as I can remember, those things all really appealed to me. Um, and then as far as TV, I remember when we got satellite te- television mm-hmm. and there was Star Trek Next Generation. Nah. <laughs> and that, I mean, you know, my whole worldview is based off of that. I mean, it's a fair way to build a worldview. I mean, if you have to choose a fictional uh, system of government and ethos and morality, like Next Gen is not a bad way to go. I mean, it, it, it was uh, highly influential. <laughs> and you know my first crushes, Data and Captain Picard. <laughs> Data's your first crush? Data and Captain Picard. But I was talking to someone yesterday, mm-hmm. and I just realized I was yesterday years old when I realized I also was crushing on Deanna Troy the whole time. I feel like everybody was kind of crushing on Deanna Troy a lot. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there's there's the like, are you a crusher guy or are you a Troy guy? Oh, they're all incredible. I mean, they're all incredible, but they, it was a lot like the uh, like um, Gilligan's Island. It's like, are, are you a ginger or a Marianne person? Are you a, are you a Troy or a crusher person? Oh man, now this that whole show, although I think 2020 is also very reminiscent of. The episode what was it the visitor? Mm-hmm. Do you remember that one where the guy, um, where they ended up in a whole other I don't know was it dimension or something because they had had a traveler oh was the traveler maybe? Oh yes, the traveler sends them to the far reaches of the universe. Yes. and uh-huh. that everybody thinks just manifests. <laughs> 2020. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I've, I've taken some weird, odd solace in the fact that Star Trek predicted how awful the 21st century was going to be. Because on more than one occasion, when people are time traveling, they're like, well, we're, we're, this is 2025. Why is it so awful? It's like, yeah, we don't talk much about this. <laughs> 
yeah, World War III is about to happen, gang. It's uh, This is a garbage fire. Yeah, yeah. But then the great news is that it all turns around. It we, does. Right. And we find a common humanity. Or- we do. And we all wear clothes with no pockets because we don't need money or <laughs> identification. <laughs> and we're all just unitarding it all over the place. Yeah, it's all about the unitard. That's how you know you're in the future. <laughs> like how else do you how else do you gauge whether or not you're actually in the future? Pretty much. It's unitard or unitard plus vest if you're like a, a heavier older dude. True. Like, well, you know, unicard unit unicard. Apparently <laughs> <laughs> a whole other thing. It's all another thing. Yeah. Um <laughs> Star Trek, uh, definitely that was um, that influenced me, and then that that was around the time too that we started watching uh, Quantum Leap. Mm. Yeah, and uh, which I, I I still say if it was on now, it would have all the awards. I I feel like if it was on now, I was I, I saw somebody on Twitter when when the news came out that um the streaming ratings now that's a thing we get we hadn't we didn't used to be able to know how anything was performing on streaming but netflix decided all right let's fuck it let's release some information and lucifer was like the number one show on streaming Mm. and it's like remember when um we used to make shows like this where it's just it's kind of episodic it's a case of the week it's kind of like good natured, fun, detective, bantery, sexy, funny, all of those things were kind of tied together by a loose mythological thread, but you could drop in on any episode of Lucifer and know exactly what's happening. Mm-hmm. Remember we used to do that and we abandoned it for this like weird BBC model of like eight episode densely sort of mythological and, and, and narrative and, and uh, which are great. Like I, I love that. But we also used to do that thing. And that thing is actually really rewarding and really comforting and really, you know, um, it, uh, it, it rewards continual viewing. And Quantum Leap was that, was the every week, this dude's going to, Sam Beckett's going to jump into a new body and we're going to have an adventure and he's going to solve a problem. And then bam, he's off to the next thing. Also, he can leap his way home. Like it's such a crystal, pure premise and, and, and loaded with, comedy and romance and drama and all of those things but it seems like we've abandoned making that kind of show which is a little sad it is but you know hopefully everything does kind of come around in a cycle i know i know and i'm hoping that like the the news of things like lucifer doing very 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 well Mm -hmm. will remind people oh remember we used to do that like and people liked it and if we kept doing it they'd watch it Huh. <laughs> Fingers, huh? Yeah. 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 Even wisdom, conventional wisdom is also cyclical, which is both sad and um evident. <laughs> oh, bless. Don't even don't even get me started. Oh no. Don't get right. me started. Fair enough. And I think the first time I the first time I did meet you was before that um dinner with Cher. Because it must have been three or four Comic Cons ago. It was at a party that stars through um, mm-hmm. for both Ash and the Evil Ash versus the Evil Dead. Yes, that was our first year. And American Gods. And I've known Neil Gaiman for a while mm-hmm. um, from a from a former life as a journalist and a comics nut and uh, the biggest Sandman fan like in the world. And uh, and so I, I, I met him years and years and years ago. And so now every now and again, I bump into him out in, in the ether. 
And it's always like this lovely little Mark, how are you? Tell me, how's everything going? Like, let me show you pictures of my kid. Um, but then he just started like introducing me to people. And I was like, I want to meet Ian McShane. He's like, everybody wants to meet Ian McShane. <laughs> <laughs> I want him to read me things, just say things in his voice a lot. <laughs> I mean, just hearing your name in his voice is yes. all He's wearing like some seersucker suit that only like a, a dandy English gent could pull off. Yeah. Um, and he introduced me to you and you know, you're like, oh, hey. And then you bounce off because you're fabulous. And like, I I know, this had nothing to do with any kind of fabulous. And you know, after you had met me for over five minutes that I am the biggest dork in the world. <laughs> but it was really because that was, that was like my first big, mm-hmm. you know, a, a event. The first time I'd come to Comic-Con for one, uh, the first time coming to something as a series regular, mm-hmm. um, at, it was just a whirlwind. So there are moments I didn't remember my own last name. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't even know how I got here. I don't know who I met here. I don't know. It all all just disappeared. So yeah, that, that was, yeah, it was a whirlwind. I I totally believe it. Um, What was, what was it like the first time you met Neil Gaiman? Because I feel like, you know, for nerds, that is a bit of like, am I sitting down with Santa Claus? <laughs> you bring me all the things that I like. All the things, all the things. And here's the thing, like Neil is such a repository of information. Mm. You know, and first off, he has the most incredible storytelling voice ever. So mm. as soon as he starts speaking on something, you, you automatically lean in and you're like, yeah, oh, okay, got it. Um, and then there's usually some incredible history behind whatever it is. And it's just, but see, I can speak like that now. <laughs> <laughs> the first time I met him, um, I still say he must have thought I was an absolute weirdo. Because all I could do was just kind of like shake his hand and nod my head and then scurry <laughs> off. <laughs> I couldn't even speak. Um Gosh, I was so embarrassed about that for so long. Um, but then over time, you know, it, <laughs> it was like it started culminating uh, words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get a sentence. One of these days, buddy, I'm going to put together a whole sentence. One of these days, maybe even a paragraph. What? <laughs> Just you wait. It's going to be great. <laughs> but yeah, it was mind blowing. It was mind blowing meeting him. Yeah. yeah I, when, I was a, when I was a journalist, DC Comics used to do this thing. Um, which I don't think they do anymore, um, which was we're going to have a bunch of talent uh, in town. I was in Manhattan at the time. Yeah. We're going to have a bunch of talent in the town for some story summit or a meeting or whatever. And so we're going to have, we're going to throw a dinner or a cocktails or whatever. And we'll invite some members of the press and we'll, we'll you know, have like these three or four big ass friggin' giant creators. And we'll all just go out and hang out and it'll be fun. It'll be like kind of intimate, like seven or eight people total. And so one night it was like me and uh, a couple of other people that I worked with at EW who were nerds and Neil Gaiman, um, David Mazzuccelli, Frank Miller, and I think Bill Sienkiewicz. Um, I think there might've been one more, but I can't remember who that would have been, hmm. but it's fucking bonkers. Like I'm sitting like just drinking with you get, that's the date of the dark Knight returns. <laughs> that's Neil Gaiman. <laughs> 
and uh and neil was i think endless nights um the sort of like one of the first follow-ups that he did of coming back to sandman which is coming out in hardcover mm-hmm. and uh and so he he's like, do you want a copy? And I was like, yeah, sure. I was like, well, let me sign it for you. And then he takes the book and he starts signing it. And then he starts sketching. He's like, every writer should know how to sketch at least one character in their mm-hmm. comic so that when you're doing a, a signing, you can like make it real. And so he draws me a Sandman. I'm like, Neil, stop it. You're so awesome. I want you to adopt me. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, I love my parents, but this would be super awesome. No, well, that would be the best. Always. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's so great like that. Like he will always make, you know, he will always make time for autographs. He will always make time to chat with people. Um, yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it's something to do with, he is also a fan yeah. and has been a fan and understands what that energy is like. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, and I, I, I respond to that and I recognize that in Kevin Smith also, that idea of like, I used to grow up loving stuff like this mm. and idolizing people who made this stuff. And so if somebody, you know, feels that way about anything I've created, mm. then it's like, the, the, I owe you more than you owe me. Mm. You know what I mean? And like, I will make time. I, and I've seen that dude, like trying to hustle through an airport, mm-hmm. like he'll stop for every picture you know, and he'll take time, like every TSA guy, every whatever. It's like, hey, man, you want a picture? Yeah, for sure. Let's get it. Come on in. We'll do this. You may sign something, happy to sign it. No problem. Whatever you need. And just that level of understanding what it feels like to be on the other side of that equation and always respecting the, the, the sort of desire and willingness to make an ass out of yourself to tell somebody that you like that you like them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's something to not look sideways at something to never take for granted and i feel like neil is that kind of person also absolutely absolutely and you know who else used to um who made me feel like that was brian Mm. and um because i remember you you know you're talking about those big fancy dinners Mm -hmm. first year and there's the big fancy dinner with the big you know, executives, and, you know, all, all these suits and people that could probably fire you yesterday if they, you know, felt there was a reason to. Now, look, if that's something that actually would happen, who knows? But that's what, you know, early Yatide was thinking. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and I remember sitting down at that dinner, first off thinking, how am I going to like take a bite of anything? Um, and, uh, but Brian had seated me right next to him. And then he starts <laughs> about Star Trek and then I was able to breathe <laughs> <laughs> and we just nerded out all night and that's it awesome just, um, it made me feel so much at home so yeah I, I do gravitate to well I mean there's you oh, uh, I gravitate to people <laughs> who are awesome I, I, I feel like there's there's something the lingua franca of nerd you know, is this sort of like universal language that if you can speak it yeah. and if you can recognize it in somebody else, at the very least, you know, you have one thing in common, yeah. which is like, no, no, we can, we, we can nerd out over something. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it definitely greases the wheels and calms the nerves. And you're just like, oh no, you're just like I am. You've yeah. also spent way too much time reading way too late at night by the light of a single bulb um, because you can't put this book down or you've also been some show, you know, over a weekend that you totally didn't have time for, but you did it anyway. Like, 
we we have those impulses and we can recognize game recognizes game. Right? game, game. That's what it is. Nerd game recognizes. <laughs> nerd game recognizes nerd game. And it, and it's and it's never, or at least it shouldn't be exclusionary. Like it should be welcoming. It's like, hey, dude, have you seen this? This is awesome. I haven't seen that. Should I? Yeah, you should watch that. Like it's it's about that sharing enthusiasm. I love about nerds and, and geeks and, you know, everyone in general, it's, it's because it's just people sharing what they love and mm. giving the permission for someone else to share what they love. And it's all just like, it's just this love fest. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and so it's always, I, that's why I adore comic cons. That's why I mm. adore spaces because it's just a lot of joy. I mean, I remember being there to sign things and then Nettie Okorafor shows up mm-hmm. and I had to jump out my seat and just geek out hard because <laughs> she's one of my favorite writers. Um, and it was just, it was this kind of full circle thing because then I had to go back and sign for someone else that was super excited about it. <laughs> it just, it's, I, I love it. I, I love being, I would, wouldn't change it for anything. That's awesome. What are you, what are you geeking out over currently? What's, what's on your like, Oh, I can't miss an episode of this or I can't, I can't put this down. Yeah. The binging and stuff. Well, I, I recently joined uh, Marvel unlimited. Mm-hmm. So I'm going through all those comics and you know who I'm following. I'm like the list right now, <laughs> but, you know, the one and only storm. Yes. Um, <laughs> so that's part of reading. And then I had Black Hammer was what I was reading as well. Mm-hmm. Then I was watching, I don't know if anybody else is watching this, but okay, there are a myriad of re- reasons I love it. Um, okay. King on Netflix. And it's a Korean show. Oh. And okay, let me tell you all the reasons that I love this show. Please. <laughs> Evangelize. Preach. <laughs> okay. Um, for one, the obvious sci-fi element that, you know, is traveling between uh, parallel worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, gosh, we've seen so many ex- examples of that in these parallel worlds with uh, different versions of everybody. But the thing that makes me so happy is that they do a scene in one episode. So maybe two people meet and there's only one line. Mm. And uh, you see all the action that they do around that one line and then it moves on. Well, in the next episode, a writer or somebody has decided they have not gotten enough out of this scene. So they go back to that same scene and then add lines. And it's just... I don't know why it blows my mind so much because they will revisit it two, three times and go back and keep adding different lines. And you're like, wait, but last week it was, you know, um, (laughs) it makes me um, just unbelievably happy every single time they do it. I'm like, yes, we did not get enough mileage out of that scene. (laughs) We had good actors. The location was fun. Let's just do more. Let's just do more with it, which <laughs> I think is kind of interesting too, because then you have then you have new writers come in and go, you know, I really like that scene. What I wish happened was Right. Like, do we own this location? Can we just keep going back here over and over and over again? Because we will. <laughs> yeah. So I finished the whole thing. It, you know, I didn't sleep a couple of nights, but uh <laughs> went through it Excellent. of course i have to support my girl Wumi. so i've been watching 
uh, Lovecraft. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, let me see, there's so much. I've also been doing, well, there was a while pretty much weekly that I would get together with a friend um, over the internet mm-hmm. and watch some geek-tastic film from the past. Oh, that sounds fun. Oh, so much fun. Because, like, you can go back and do things like Buckaroo Banzai and, mm-hmm. like, oh, obviously, Back to the Future, Rocky Horror Picture Show, um, Fifth Element. It's just, we go through. <laughs> and at that point, you can pretty much talk through it because oh, yeah, yeah. you've seen it. That's the that's the key because you can't watch something you've never watched before because then you might as well just be watching alone. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're they're I'd been watching um, with a bunch of friends Avatar: The Last Airbender. Like once it dropped on Netflix, it was is it Avatar Tuesday yet? Then let's let's go and we would just watch like two or three at a clip, yes. and we'd all seen it before, so it was cool to be able to just kind of like talk through it and over it, and then everybody be quiet when something awesome happened, and then you just keep going and and that it feels very much like um, a way to sustain community at a time in which community is a little far from us, mm-hmm. you know, like, and, and that thing that nerds love to do, which is let, let's watch something we all love together. Let's all go to the movies together. Let's all, you know, like, and, and I miss that so much. Yeah. That sense of community and sharing what, what you love. Yeah. Um, and so we're trying to find ways to do that. We're, we're trying to find ways to, to make our way through it. It's funny, the more and more technology we get, I feel like the more that the technology is trying to reinvent the idea of the village. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as we have evolved so much, we're still trying to get back to that place. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that the more technology we have, the more it makes me long to not need to use technology to do it, <laughs> you know the more I'm on a zoom, the more I'm on a zoom with like 15 people, the more I'm like, wouldn't this be better if we were just like at a table somewhere or in a bar somewhere or at somebody's house in a backyard. And like, it's, yeah, it is, it is highlighting what is absent while also being a, a, a less than replacement. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I have panels on it. I find I'm, I'm still struggling with it because I miss the live energy mm-hmm. people, you know, and, and seeing everyone. And th- there's something that people uh, emit. I feel mm-hmm. like. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I tuned into some of the San Diego at home stuff this year. Um, I was able to, I was lucky enough to be part of some of the DC fandom stuff mm-hmm. and they're slowly refining it and slowly bringing it into, in, into something that feels like, a worthwhile thing in and of itself. Yeah. But it always has that feeling of, you know, we'd rather be doing it the other way. <laughs> if at all possible, we'd rather all be 6,000 of us in a room, you know, and, and like you said, just feeling that charge and that those waves of enthusiasm and the excitement to be in a place to hear people that you like talk about something that you love. It's, uh, it's hard to channel that level of energy this yeah. way. Yeah. You know, especially if it's only really a one-way broadcast. You know, like that's but the thing. Yeah, we are refining it. We're getting there. We're, We're getting there. Evolving. We're getting there. But what are you? Um, what are you binging? What can you not put down? Right now? Um, I, uh, I'm, I'm all in on Lovecraft. Um, I feel like the most recent episode was um, the 
I'm not going to say the best of the bunch I've seen so far. Episode five, um, which was the the strange case, I think it was called, um, or something, something. But it was very much like Jekyll and Hyde. It was very much about um, Ruby uh, being able to take this magic potion and become a a average white woman, and the dream of being an average white woman for a a you know gorgeous effervescent black woman, you know, is its own. Like it it talked a lot about um, the themes of being comfortable in your own skin mm-hmm. and being one and, and wanting to be something more than you are, or having been taught your entire life that what you are is not right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like she, you know, felt seen in the ways. She um, did in, in ways that like, sadly um, were not being seen as herself and she couldn't, she couldn't keep up that ruse like that. That wasn't a fantasy she could live with, mm. um, you know, and then conversely Montrose, you know, Tick's father, you know, is a gay man living in a time in which you could not be black and gay and, and still be recognized as a man. And so had, had just submerged all of those impulses and desires, um, which started to burst at the seams in violent ways. And so to get to watch him have a moment where he feels free. Baptism by glitter. Did you know that? (laughs) I did. (laughs) The most fabulous baptism ever. I was like, okay, I see. And I love that they had Shangela there. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, there was so much in it. I mean, there's so much to unpack. Um, I found myself deeply affected mm. um, by everything that was going on. I mean, we know repression is a horrible thing. I was also, you know, uh, there, there's, I had some concerns too for my, for our indigenous and two-spirit family mm-hmm. uh, previous uh, episode as well. And seeing all of the things that, um, that Montrose uh, was having come up to the surface uh, because he was not able to be who he was. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was striking. It was unsettling mm-hmm. in so many places. Um, Wumi did a fantastic job. Oh, yeah. Fantastic actress. Uh, I, I think a lot of people have been sleeping on her and they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be. No, she's killing it. She's killing it. Yeah, I mean the, the the show for me, like every episode is, and clearly it's meant to feel a bit like an anthology, where every episode is tackling a different format. Where it's haunted house, where it's road movie, where it's um, national treasure, where we're just doing like treasure hunting in Anna Jones. This is Jekyll and Hyde. This is like hiding in in, in somebody else's skin. Um, and I feel like the thematically the show is firing on all cylinders in ways that occasionally dramatically it's not, um, or structurally it's not. And I don't know if it's interested in it. You know what I mean? Like there are sometimes we're just, oh, okay, we're in this location now. Are we going to explain how we got here? No. Okay, moving on. <laughs> you know, like the emotional truth of it is what seems to be foremost on the producers' minds, less the kind of narrative. Um, strict you know adherence to 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 that kind of logic and it took me a couple of episodes to kind of swing with it that way but once like oh this is how we're telling these stories okay cool there's a lot here that i'm getting and unpacking which which 
makes me fine glossing over some of those. Like, what? Oh, sure. He's <laughs> <laughs> like, that happened. Okay. Yeah, fine. Okay. They were in there in Boston and now they're back in Chicago and they we did, and the car somehow also got back and okay, whatever. Okay, cool, cool. They'll be fine. Um, but yeah, it, it, it was, um, oof. There were some moments. I, I mean, there were some moments that I always laugh when I say this that were hard to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason I, I laugh when I say this is because do you remember in 30 Rock when uh, Tracy decided that he wanted to get like the whole like EGOT it, like, you know, <laughs> and everything. So he decides to make a movie called Hard to Watch. <laughs> get all the awards. <laughs> <laughs> So whenever I'm describing anything like that, I'm like, oh, yeah, it's going to get all the awards. Oh, yeah. It's hard to watch. It's hard to watch. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, there were some some moments I had to take a breath there. Yeah. Um, I had my my big quarantine binge was The Walking Dead, which I had, you know, I started watching when it aired and I was a weekly, you know, adherent to it and then fell off. Like, I think I moved cross country and I dropped out of it for a little bit. And then they got to a place that they were hanging out for too long. And I was like, yeah, whatever, I'll get to it later and didn't. And so now I have nothing else to do. So let's watch 10 seasons of the walking dead. And so now I'm all caught up on the walking dead. So now we started uh, fear the walking dead, mm-hmm. which is good but frustrating because it's now back at the beginning when nobody knows anything about zombies and you as a viewer are like, dude, they're zombies. zombies. What the fuck? Like, did you not watch The Walking Dead? How do you not know what's happening? You know, like zombie fiction, I think is the only fiction in which the characters don't know that zombies exist. Mm. It's like, if you like vampire stuff, everyone knows vampires. Like nobody's surprised when somebody gets you know, like, is that guy exsanguinated? I think he's a vampire. But nobody believes that zombies exist in zombie fiction until they're like, guys. Meanwhile, I'm here with like my zombie escape plan. I mean. (laughs) Yes. Okay. We're going to get to the news. But first, uh, I feel like we should compare um, zombie escape strategies. Okay. Zombie escape strategies. First off, uh, you know, as soon as stuff gets, you know, starts going down, you need to go somewhere very isolated. Yes. You stay out of the downtowns and the super populated areas. Yeah, so LA is a nightmare. Just don't be in LA. Just, yeah. Uh, Or if you are, you have to be like on the outskirts somewhere. Yeah. Secondly, which Mm -hmm. I have not done, but I need to learn how to fly a helicopter (laughs) or some kind of aerial device. Okay. Uh, And make sure you're fully stocked in whatever kind of fuel it is. Mm. Now, uh, you might go the route of becoming some kind of incredible scientist. Um, so inventing your own stuff to survive, including mm-hmm. a solar pa- panel uh, powered uh, aerial device. Which- okay. You know, or find a way to bind a genius inventor person to you, you know, by like, hey, so I got blackmail or whatever it takes. I Listen, you just can't leave. I mean, I also have survival skills. So, you know, I'm saying we should just group together all these skills. And that's that's a third important one. Mm-hmm. Put together a survival group. Yes. Auditions will be held <laughs> shortly. <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you bringing to the table? Um, uh, I always say, I'm like, look, I grew up in Nigeria. I know how to, like, you know, I, I, I know how to get my food and mm. uh, gather and also, um, if need be, I mean, there's several skills that come from 
growing up in the motherland. So uh, excellent. Cool. So uh, so I've already decided to draft you for my zombie um, <laughs> yes. survival team. Yes. <laughs> this, this was an audition. Thank <laughs> you. You passed. That's really all I was hoping for from all of this. I totally just to be a part of your team. Yes, um, I have uh, I have two alternate plans. Okay. Um, depending on what coast I happen to be on, the East Coast, luckily, is uh, is relatively lousy with Revolutionary and Civil War era forts, oh. um, and they're almost always in the water because the whole idea was like this: defend against some dumbass ship from England coming in. So you, at, at the very least, only have sort of three lanes that people can come into. Sometimes even only two. Um, your back is to the water. You have high walls. You can probably build some kind of gardening, working farm inside there. Hmm. Um, so yeah, forts or houseboat. Um, I feel as if, um, people are sleeping on houseboats when they start thinking of their zombie preparedness. Um, there's a, there, you can absolutely put solar power on that. You don't have to go that far into the water so that you're risking fucking the perfect storm or whatever. Hmm. Um, you can grow on a houseboat. You can have enough soil. You can do it. You can filter the water. You can have your solar power. You can grow some food. You never need to go back on land if you don't want to. I like that. You know, for a long time, I was saying, ooh, Catalina, and then they had it on my <laughs> 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 it, doesn't, it doesn't work. But then it also makes me think of World War Z. You just mm-hmm. can't go into any shallow water because apparently the zombies can just keep walking through it until they... Yeah, they don't need the air. So they can just climb up the chains and, uh, and make their way in. So yeah, you, be, you don't want to be hitched to a thing. You don't want to be anchored anywhere. But if you just kind of went up and down the coast um, in a houseboat, the views are nice, you know. You can fish. Okay, you're selling me on this houseboat. Um, you know, it's it's. You'd have to kind of have it already in mind before you need to prep. You need to become a zombie prepper. Um, but I'm just saying. I'm just yeah, saying. I'm gonna go on Craigslist and uh, look up some houseboats. So. A computer. <laughs> How much for houseboat? <laughs> computer. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, Siri. Um, I want you to find me a houseboat. Um, okay, so I feel like we should get to the news. New, 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 new news. Um, is that, that is jingle? Point. I didn't know that was the official. I, it isn't. I just made it up. Malcolm Barrett at one point had written um, a, a, a news theme song that he improved when he was a guest host for Black Man Beyond. Um, I don't know how it goes because he's fucking Malcolm and he's brilliant. <laughs> but uh, but we should we should find that sound clip one more time. Um, <laughs> all open. I'm all ears for that. Yes. Um, today, uh, September 19th happens to be Batman day. Um, uh, I would like, I would encourage all of you to go out and celebrate by, I don't know, uh, not wandering down dark alleys with your parents. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, I don't know. Let's, let's keep the nuclear family intact as long as we can. Um, what is, you know, and, and there's no like real Batman, sort of media dropping. I mean, we'll get to some Harley Quinn news later on, but sort of like Batman day, I was like, well, okay, Yatide, I don't know the answer to this question. So I'll ask you, what is your favorite moment in a Batman movie? Mm, I mean, you know, there's so much joy to be had in all of it, but I was, (laughs) what popped up was that first introduction of, um, of Joker. Mm. Um, That's played by the brilliant Heath Ledger. Ooh, okay. And um, it just had me, because it was also an Easter egg back to the first, um, the, to the first time Joker came on the TV series, right? Mm-hmm. 
uh, with that that mask was, uh, but it was just it was so beautifully done. Um, I thought it was. I, I went back and rewatched it. Um, that that you know the, the great reveal. You get a sense of who this individual is as they're all talking about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is the one navigating through that space and um, basically puppeteering the whole uh, event. It was just. It sticks with me. It was striking. Um, it was Heath Ledger. Indeed. Uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's a moment. It's a moment. How about you? Um, mine is, uh, is, 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 well, okay. It's the moment in Batman Returns. And it's, it's a ridiculous moment, but I love it to death. Where, uh, where Bruce Wayne, um, you know, Commissioner Gordon's like, oh, shit, some bad stuff has happened. I'm going to light the bat signal. And so he sends, sends up the bat signal and it like goes up into the sky and then bounces from the sky down onto a mirror. And then there's like nine other mirrors that then bounce the light from the bat signal into Bruce Wayne's office. And he just looks in the wall and then there's a giant bat signal on the wall and he stands up and like his face rises into frame. It is so ridiculous <laughs> that Bruce Wayne had somebody clearly build a series of mirrors to reflect a thing that's in the sky into his office. But that also seems like a total Batman thing to do. <laughs> you know, it kind of defines him. I know you're like, yeah, obviously, obviously. Yeah. Like he's prepared for everything, every contingency, you know. Well, he probably drove around in the Batmobile and placed those all individually by himself. Yeah, also a thing he would have done with like, like measures and surveying and making sure like the staff of Ra, the, the light would hit just at the right way and angling the mirrors and... It's uh, it's it's ridiculous, <laughs> but but gloriously Batman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good <laughs> I like it. I like it a lot. Thank you. Yeah, I went on a on a limb there, but uh, but fuck it. It's a it, it used to be a Batman podcast. Let's talk about Batman a little bit. <laughs> um, it also was the week that we got the first trailer for The Mandalorian season two. Mm-hmm. Were you a, were you a Mandalorian fan? Well, you might know this, but um, Omid Abtahi is on the show, who mm-hmm. is on American Gods as Salim. Oh. Yeah. So here's the thing. I'm actually, I'm waiting for, I want all the seasons, as many seasons as I can get mm-hmm. for a sit down and a binge, because I know it's one, I'm just going to be upset. <laughs> I'm gonna be upset if I'm like I watch one or two episodes. I'm like, where, where's the where's the next thing? What am I? What am I? So I'm saving up for a major binge on this one. A major binge on this one. Um, I the the first season, um, I at first was a little tepid on. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, well, why is it? Because the episodes were like 38 minutes long, and I'm like, why is this so short? And I don't understand what's happening, and not enough happened. And then I sort of realized that uh, that every show teaches you how to watch it, and every mm-hmm. show at some point will uh, will reveal what it's going to be. And it just took me a couple of episodes to realize that oh no, all right, I get it. I see the show they're trying to teach. I, I see what they're doing. It's and I, I I never mean this as a pejorative because some of my favorite content is content for children, mm-hmm. but it's a kids show. Like Star Wars has always been a fable. 
you know, it's always been a fable um, with like the cleanest morality in the world mm. where the drama is super obvious, where it's also about this family. And it's like, my dad's mean. Well, my sister's cool, but I never met her. We got to go up against our dad, but we don't want to kill our dad. Somebody else has got to kill our dad because dad, he's good again. Like it's, it's that's super. exactly how it's done too. That's um, exactly. I'm pretty sure that was the story break for mm. the, the Star Wars trilogy. Um, but, but yeah. And so realizing that, that my desire for star Wars to grow up with me Mm. does not mean that star Wars is going to do that. And so star Wars kind of has always been on a level that kids can also understand. Um, and, and again, that never means that it's bad. That never means that it's juvenile. I mean, the Incredibles also exists on a level that is built for children to understand, but has a shit ton of stuff for, for adults. Mm. Like everything Pixar is working on these two levels. I mean, the Warner Brothers cartoons that I grew up loving are also working on two levels. The Simpsons is working on two levels. All this stuff is 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 making it accessible to everybody. Right. And and you know when you get into stuff like all right, well it's it's trade negotiations and uh, and 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 embargoes for taxation purposes and Senate procedurals. It's like I feel like we've forgotten that Star Wars is for kids. Um, and so the Mandalorian actually kind of cycles it back to being like, oh, all right, it's kind of for children. Children's mm-hmm. attention spans are about thirty-five to forty minutes. Kids really love puppets. What if we had the cutest puppet in the world? Everybody <laughs> loves that puppet. Everybody loves that puppet. <laughs> and by the time you get to the end of the season, I was fully under its spell. I was fully just like, oh, no, yeah, I see what they're doing. I love what they're doing. Yeah. And, and that was even above and beyond the technical achievement of the show, which is, oh, no, yeah, we shot this all on the soundstage. There were no locations. <laughs> we're just literally indoors for, you know, 40 weeks of production. And so when I saw the, the season two trailer, I was like, oh, yeah, bring me more of this because this is exactly what I want. Make it happen, please. Um, I think we have it. Are we going to roll it? Have we started rolling it? I think it's rolling. Is it rolling? Is it doing things? It is. Oh, yeah, there's a ship. Um, so if you've never seen any of the Mandalorian, you're like, this doesn't mean anything to me. No, but here's the thing. It does, because I saw this trailer and I, you know, it had me hooked. And I'm like, do I start earlier than I meant to? You know, I mean, it's it's doing the thing that a good trailer does, which is making it irresistible. Yeah. And uh, the cutest puppet in the world. The cutest puppet. Like the first, the first season, they were super like you know, tight about Baby Yoda or the child or whatever his actual name is. Mm. Um, but uh, but here in the trailer, like, look at all these Baby Yodas. We're lousy with it. You get a Yoda. You get a Yoda. Like, you get a Yoda. Look <laughs> <laughs> under your chair. I bet you there's a Yoda. Um, <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see that Carl Weathers is back because Carl Weathers was a, was a pleasant surprise. Again, mm. you didn't see the first season, but anytime I get Carl Weathers, I'm super happy. Yeah. Um, because I grew up, what? Y- your face was like. <gasps> no, no, because I'm seeing moments that just have me. Wait, what? What's happening? Yeah. <laughs> but sorry, you were saying. No, no, Carl Weathers. I grew up uh, a huge Rocky fan, and so anytime I get to see Apollo Creed anywhere, I'm just super happy. And like, he's you know easy in his late sixties, early seventies, and still a fucking badass. Wow. And, this moment. Yeah. You don't see that that often where it's just we're gonna go to black. <laughs> <laughs> yep. We are, we are two minutes. We're giving you 
four seconds of black. Yeah, you gotta have you know absolute faith in what you know what you're selling, what you're sharing there, or else. Uh, Absolutely. And so happy to see what I thought. Um, I'm pretty sure it was a glimpse of Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano in there, and so excited. I'm so excited. <sighs> you got me all excited for it, but I know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start this early, and I probably won't sleep for the next two days. And then what will end up happening is then I'm all done, and which is why I'm not starting it yet. Is because I need enough to last me, like you know, at least a month. I know. I mean, we have no idea how long we're going to be quarantined for. And so we have to begin to sort of ration out our goodness. Isn't it possibly until 2021? <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. Um, so, yes, excited for that to drop um, in October. Um, October 30th, I think, is when season two on spools. And I can't wait. Can't wait. La, da, da, can't wait. Um, we talked a bit about Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the sort of the, the the surprising news of this week was that uh, Jonathan Majors, who stars in Lovecraft Country as uh, as Atticus, is heading to the MCU in of all things Ant Man three, as of all characters Kang the Conqueror. What? What? <laughs> what? First of all, I'm just so happy for him. Oh um, hell yeah! And I cannot get enough of him. It's for you know. <laughs> hey now moment where he uh you know he put on the glasses and then he kind of hooked it behind his ear i mean not just <laughs> yeah and like he's always running around those tank tops like yeah i get it's the gun show every time tick shows up that's for me though huh? like, it's the glasses for me so you know if we can have those moments as, as many times more as possible yeah I th- but i think that you know what what's what seems to be unfair is mm-hmm. that he can also do the glasses while wearing a tank top <laughs> with those arms it's like dude come on come on listen i am not mad at that at uh, all i mean it's just not fair <laughs> to everybody else it's like come on motherfucker just pick one it's like hemsworth like why are you all so funny like you don't have to be funny looking like that yeah funny and uh just gorgeous yeah you could be dumb as a stump and get along just fine but it was weird there was one episode i don't know what it was he did something or there's something in the way he moved that reminded me of um patrick swayze in ghost Mm. that had me thinking "Ooh, what if he did ghost (laughs) (laughs) i want more ghost ghost but with him yeah yeah um just i'm so excited for this news i'm so excited for him yeah i mean and i would not have i would not have pegged ant-man 3 as the sort of deployment zone for Kang the Conqueror, but also totally down for it. I'm here for it. I'm here for it all day. Yes. All day, every day. Um, I, uh, and for those at home, you know, Kang the Conqueror, sort of this time traveling, you know, would be despot who, uh, who, I mean, and we've had our fair share of time travel in the Marvel universe, Um, you know, maybe a little too much. I don't know. But can you have too much time travel. Can you have to? We can always just go back and fix it if we have too much time travel. Keep going. <laughs> like it. I like it a lot. Like it. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, there, there's no release date for it yet because who the hell knows when anybody is getting back to production for anything. But I'm super excited to see now way more excited for Ant-Man 3 than I was before. <laughs> they, they did their job there because I mean. They're- 
I mean, Paul Rudd is pretty amazing, though. He is that like non problematic, um, like ageless, uh, probably a vampire. Of- yeah, clearly. Yeah, he's definitely a vampire, right? Like, we know this for a fact. Must be. (laughs) Must be. I mean, like, there's a bathtub full of blood somewhere in his property that he just bathes in. (laughs) Either that or some kind of painting, you know? Yeah. Um. Listen, There's I a painting not. of Paul Giamatti in this room. Just like, I'm sorry, Paul. I gotta take a few more years. <laughs> I, you know, I you, look. I don't want to be responsible for spreading uh, fake news, but I don't know. I've, I've got an eye on you, Paul. Could be. Could be. Um, it, uh, elsewhere in the Marvel universe, um, we got a She-Hulk. Who the hell knew we were gonna get a She-Hulk? Um, I appreciate Marvel giving us good news during a time when we could all use some good news. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm so excited for Tatiana Masami. Yes. Tatiana, I mean, I, I remember watching Orphan Black mm. and just saying, who is this person doing all of this work? And, and I just, not, not since, and, I, and I'll blow her up only because she's a friend, but, mm. and I'll always say that Trisha Helfer's work on Battlestar playing what was ultimately like seven or eight different versions of the same basic character and keeping them all straight. Um, And that was like basically her first job, you know, and, and it's, it's a, it's a, it's an immense task to ask an actor to do and a joy to ask an actor to do, but it's a lot. And so Tatiana felt like it was the, the evolutionary leap of not only am I going to play five characters that are different, but totally alike, I'm going to do it at the same time. They're going to be in the same scenes. And I'm going to have dance parties with me and my clones. And it's going to be amazing. I mean, for one thing, I didn't feel, yes, she got some critical acclaim, but I still didn't feel that she got, um, we we didn't give her enough of her flowers. Because what she did, I'm looking at it as a fellow actor, is just mind-blowing. But going back to Battlestar, that's another one that if it was around now would be getting all the awards, I think. Yeah. You know, like it, it's so hard to believe that a show that was written as well as it was written mm-hmm. starring fucking Edward James almost, you know, and, and, you know, Laura, Mc, it's, it's, it's I, Mary McDonald is the best. And I just can't imagine that neither of those actors would actually get the shine that they would have gotten today. Yeah. Um, and it seems that slowly we're, we're beginning to reward our genre performers for the excellence and the quality that they do. But yeah. there are so many that never got, as you say, their flowers that they should have. Never got their flowers. And I always think of Battlestar as kind of the precursor to the genre TV that we have right now. Right. If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be seeing um, all of these shows start to get the recognition. I, I feel like that's what made a lot of people wake up to the fact that you can have genre uh, TV uh, mm-hmm. uh, stories and that they can be critically acclaimed. They can be really well pieced together um, and taken. Um, I don't like to use the term taken seriously because <laughs> 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 it's that, you know, that, that they do hold weight. Um, so I'm hoping that we give Tatiana all the, all the credit that she deserves with this one. I'm so happy for her. Indeed. You know, we're, we are the night before the Emmys um, during which um, fingers crossed Watchmen continues to perform incredibly well. And I think there is a direct line that you can draw from, you know, the, the, the way we are recognizing the awesomeness that is Watchmen 
mm. to the kind of content that was being produced in the sort of mid to late aughts, right. mainly stuff like Battlestar, mm. you know, which is like, oh no, we're going to use this framework of genre and within it also tell these thematically trenchant stories about war and terrorism and abortion and pandemics and so forth and so on and 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 still have it be oh no it's about robots who are trying to kill us but also be about fundamentally the human experience and what that is and watchmen just took it to the again an evolutionary leap to oh yeah no it's going to be about race but also about dudes in costumes punching each other in the face a lot like oh sweet and regina king just killing it and regina king just killing it so yeah and fucking lou gossett jr like Yeah, it was, I feel like we need a moment of silence for just that. Just I know, just for the fact that, like, is that Louis Gossett Jr.? Holy shit, that's fucking Louis, and he's he's killing it. Like, why haven't we been killing it with him for like twenty years now? Right. You right. know why? Why didn't he get the fucking like Martin Sheen career of mm-hmm. just I'm just going to keep doing these roles into my fifties, sixties, and seventies? Why isn't he Michael Douglas? <laughs> I mean, you laugh, but I ask those questions daily. <laughs> those are fair questions to ask. Um, yeah, so I'm very excited for She-Hulk. Um, uh, Jessica Gao is the head writer who's leading the writer's room. She comes from the Rick and Morty camp. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think that, that Tatiana is the last major character to be created by Stan Lee, Jessica Walters, a.k.a. Um, She-Hulk. Should be, and I, and I wonder if... I have to think there's going to be some CG involved in her um, hulking out because I'm thinking that's going to be the case, unless you go the route of like the old school TV show. I would love it if they did that. <laughs> How fun would that be? If like, you know, Gina Carano shows up just painted green, like, and it's like, Oh, it's she Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I, I second your, your notion. I feel like that's the way to go. That is totally oh, the way. Yeah. You know, Marvel, you can send the checks to me when yes. you with that idea and all the money you would save on CGI. Totally. Look at that. You can go so much faster, you know, just like, all right, uh, she hulks in and then in comes your She-Hulk actress and all right, Jessica Walters out. There's no rendering time. You just got to spray paint somebody green. <laughs> That's it. Simple enough. Um, I feel like we should, uh, they should take that idea and in exchange, they should cast you a storm. Well, pro quo. I, I wouldn't be, you know, too upset with that. I, I mean, what? Me? Play Storm? <laughs> Is that what I said before? Uh, no, couldn't be. I do declare, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Disney, that would be an excellent idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no city slick a lawyer. <laughs> I feel like we can come to some arrangement on my behalf in playing your weather characters. <laughs> <laughs> what the characters i love that i'm gonna steal that i'm using that from now on yes i ex my expertise is in weather characters in weather characters but only if you get to write it done deal deal so uh we will give all of your ideas to marvel in exchange for a one picture deal <laughs> uh, one picture deal it's three pictures yeah no. three pictures <laughs> don't think so small son <laughs> We are riding this to the bank, I do declare. Somehow I turned into Foghorn Leghorn in the middle of that, and I'm you not sure when. Me up, and I'm loving every single second of it. But yeah, Storm, <laughs> I mean, if you, you know, if sure. that's something that people wanted to just throw out there, yes, please. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, I feel like the campaign um, is is small but passionate, and I feel like we can grow it. I feel like uh, it's a platform that we can all agree on. <laughs> oh, man. Well, especially after that pitch. I mean, it's done. <laughs> Duh. Weather calendars. Come in the mail? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> like 8 o'clock at night? No. But, uh... <laughs> hello. There's a delivery for you from Mr. Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's Mr. Marvel. <laughs> The marvelous Mr. Marvel is here <laughs> to present me with a contract, a standard rich and famous contract to star as their premier weather character. A standard rich and famous contract. I, <laughs> oh my goodness. I just had to <laughs> that because that's just pure gold. Uh, well, I will, I will happily take credit for a thing I just stole. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that was uh, in the Muppet show when Kermit yeah. wants to go to Hollywood and he finally gets, he, he sings the Rainbow Connection. And then Orson Welles was like, bring me your standard rich and famous contract. And then Kermit happily signs it. And it's like, yeah. And then they go Kermit nuts. And does the arms like that for sure. The arms like that. Um, so um, yeah, I, I only steal from the best. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think we have one more, one more hit in our Marvel news, sure. um, which is that um, Ms. Marvel, Disney Plus's Ms. Marvel show. Um, Disney Plus. Yeah. I, I, I feel like it's like the Canal Plus, but of streaming services. Fair enough. So Disney Plus, make it sound fancy. <laughs> um, you know, and it, they're, they're making this Marvel show, which I'm super excited about, um, especially after having played the character a little bit in Marvel Avengers video game. And, uh, and, and the fact that they're just swinging into like, yeah, we're going to tell this story about this Pakistani American Muslim teenager who also happens to be a kick-ass fucking superhero um, without sacrificing either of those parts of her personality and parts of her identity in order to, to tell the story um, is, is a, is a leap forward to say the least, because there are not a ton of shows that are based around Pakistani American Muslim teenagers. Um, and the fact that they are embracing all of the things that make that character special and both in front of and behind the camera. And so Marvel has hired a bunch of directors to sort of form the sort of core of their directorial um, unit. Um, and it's like a bunch of, you know, there's a, there's a Pakistani director in there. There's a couple of, of what, what seem to be at least Middle Eastern and North American or North African um, filmmakers, Adil El Arbi and Bilal Falah, who made uh, Bad Boys for Life, who've been tapped to work on episodes. Sharmin Obeid Shinoy, who, uh, who won an Oscar, two-time Oscar winner in the documentary short category. Um, and, uh, and Mira Menon, who's been working on stuff like Walking Dead, Punisher, Titans, Dirty John, and Outlander, are all coming to work to make, uh, to make Kamala Khan, um, which it's also weird because I've been told how to pronounce Kamala two yeah. different ways very recently. <laughs> like Kamala Harris, right. Kamala Khan. Okay, could we get on the same page? Just, <laughs> but I, I gotta say, it is it is a pretty uh, amazing um, show of uh, you know actually uh, looking to do the, the diverse story correctly, mm -hmm. and actually actually caring about representation on all sides, uh, in front of the camera and behind the camera, like you mentioned. And I mean, I'm it makes me very hopeful. Mm. or that this is the kind of thing we're going, we're going to see where we want truthful representations of um, 
of historically oppressed individuals or um, historically um, underrepresented individuals um, being, being handled with such care. Yeah, you know, and it's and it's great that it's Marvel doing it because to a certain degree, Marvel doesn't have to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, they can. You know, it's Marvel. They're to a certain degree bulletproof, um, but they they understand that they can also be an example. They can also be a, like, hey guys, we're we don't have to do it, and we're doing it. You know, it, it because we feel like it's going to be better for it. You know, and and we could spend the money on the you know the 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 dozens and dozens of, of Caucasian filmmakers who are crazy expensive, um, but we can absolutely get them to do this. But what's better for us here is to give that same number of monies to people who are underrepresented, who can, can, can make this as authentic as possible. Yeah. And, and yeah, it's, it only takes one person to start to kind of like lead the way. And it's, it's reassuring to me that it comes from a, a geek house like yeah you know what let's do this the right way i appreciate it but i also think it's because there's representation within the you know the executive sites as well Mm. and i think that's part of the reason that we're seeing such um well thought out uh examples um and that to me is the main reason we continually need to push for representation. I'm going to get off my soapbox in a second. No, but... stay out there as long as you want. <laughs> got the hat. The hat the hat plays. Okay. <laughs> but it's just um, yeah, when you have people in in positions of for lack of a better word power mm-hmm. um, who are also representative, it's I think it then starts to reflect um um, on the talent level as well and uh, behind the camera it, it all you know it, it all feeds into each other yeah you know and, and it and it I think the work is better for it mm-hmm. you know it's it's one of those like if you if you cook according to the recipe but if you also have a little bit of the understanding of the reason why we're using these ingredients and the reasons why they're incorporated in such a way mm-hmm. then it is going to taste better you know and so just like understanding your own ignorance and I have it as well as I think we all have some blind spots. Um, but as long as we can acknowledge them and understand them and attempt to dismantle them and, and replace them with actual content that, that seems relevant and, and, and authentic, mm-hmm. everything gets better. Great. So we've solved Hollywood. So Done. Uh, I- <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> no, we're out. We've got some questions. What else can we solve? <laughs> Um, to, to, to pivot away from the Marvel universe for a bit, uh, it came down the pike that Harley Quinn is getting a third season. I mean, have you seen any of the Harley Quinn? I've only seen the, as much as you all shared with me. So I appreciate so, that. Yes. Um, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's profane. It's, uh, it's glorious. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I, I think you'll dig it the most, but, um, it, uh, it's second season is already on HBO max. They got a third season now. And with that news of a third season for Harley Quinn comes the news of the demise of the DC universe as a scripted uh, production entity. Um, and they had, they'd been behind Doom Patrol and Swamp Thing and Titans and, and Harley Quinn, much of which, much of that content has been ported over at this point to HBO Max, if not cancel that right, which is what happened to poor Swamp Thing. 
um, Stargirl was supposed to premiere as an HB as a as a DC Universe shiny thing, yeah. and that went over to the CW um, because I, for some reason, and I can't explain why, Warner Media doesn't quite have uh, didn't have their ducks in a row when they were launching both HBO Max, you know, a year after launching DC Universe. Because they didn't have a conversation with us because we had apparently all the answers. We do. Like, guys, you only need one of these apps. You kind of don't need both. And maybe a DC-specific app isn't the way to go because, yeah. But they seem to be finally correcting course. And you can't ever you can't ever hold a person liable for realizing they made a mistake and pivoting accordingly. Mm-hmm. So... Good for you, Warner Media, for realizing that maybe we didn't need both of these things. And we're going to take the stuff that worked on one, move it over to the other. And now DC Universe will be renamed DC Universe Infinite as their own um, sort of comics reader app, where they're going to have some ungodly amount of comic books available. It's like 24,000 titles spanning eight decades um, that you can, for a subscription, which I'm assuming will be less than you're paying for scripted content, um, have access to all of this stuff. It's like Comixology or Marvel Unlimited, um, mm-hmm. but now it's for DC. And so, you know, good for them for not letting a thing go thoroughly to waste, but yeah. uh, instead of just the false start that was DC streaming stuff. I mean, I guess I will have to get that subscription as well, too. But I always feel kind of weird doing all that. Like, you know, I feel like I'm like cheating on somebody. <laughs> You know, I have my Marvel Unlimited and I'm like, okay, I'm going through and I'm, you know, reading all my Storm stuff. And then I'm like, but, you know, I still love you while I, you know, I'm subscribing to this service as well. It's just, you're very different. It's like apples and oranges. I'm going to be polyamorous about my comics. I feel like, you know, in some cases, you know, you should be allowed to love more than one thing. This is what I'm saying. So um, I'm just going to tell everyone Mark told me to. Mark said, Mark "Be willy nilly with your your amorousness and just love all things." Which is pretty much me, anyway. So willy nilly. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, here's the, the two little quick hits. Um, Mulan, which uh, which dropped on the Disney Plus uh-huh. um, premiere access a couple of weeks ago, um, according to Yahoo Finance. It, uh, the Disney Mulan's purchase rate hit 29% for U.S. subscriber households, which, you know, sort of translates to if they have about 30 million subscribers um, and 29% of them paid $30 to watch it, they made $260 million in revenue in less than two weeks in just the U.S., hmm. which, if that's a theatrical release, pretty strong. You know, like that's probably a, you know, $180 million opening weekend with a, a sort of $80 million second weekend, which is pretty strong for a movie like that. And just in the U.S. And you didn't have to pay a dime in distribution and you didn't have to share anything with exhibitors. Like. Not bad. Not, you know, like I, I know that that AMC and Carmike and all of these these theater chains don't really want to hear it. But it seems that there's an audience for this kind of release pattern um, and they will pay their money if it's the right piece of content and the money they pay will be kind of exactly the money you want if you're a studio. You know, like I think Disney's All In was about $200 million to produce it and they made that money back in two weeks. Mm. Yeah, I, I, 
remember getting oddly, I did not expect to get so emotional over it. <laughs> like, I was sobbing and I'm like, why am I, why am I crying? It's just, yeah. um, and, and it's yeah. also like, I'm crying and I, I also share that emotion for a story that I absolutely know what happens in. Yeah, I know yeah, what's like, happening next. Yeah. Mean, there were some fun, you know, additions. Totally. Um, you know, there was some little tweaks to the formula, and I, which all of which made sense. Mm-hmm. There was also some like very convenient character turns where mm-hmm. it's just like, here's where her commanding officer needs to suddenly believe her. And so he does for no reason. I still cried through it, even though it's not believable. Yeah, totally. It's like, and why does she take her armor off and let her hair down? Like, how is that a good thing going into battle? So that wasn't just me because I'm like, mm. but- Going into battle. I know they need to know that you're a lady, but usually, you know, you just do the hair flip thing, you know, like pull out the hairband and uh, everyone will be like, oh. Yeah. And it's also not like when she took off her armor, suddenly she's Jessica Rabbit underneath it. It's like she's still wearing like relatively billowy clothing and she still kind of looks like a dude who suddenly has lipstick and long hair. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was kind of random. But I say all that and like to sound all cool, but I was, I was, I was sobbing. Yeah, no, it's 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 a relatively bulletproof story that mm-hmm. uh, that delivers emotional content yeah. uh, directly to your face and tear ducts. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, there there is now a, a an example for studios to to operate off of. Um which is with the right piece of material targeted the right audience, Mm -hmm. they will absolutely pay um, $30 to watch it um, Mm -hmm. over and over and over again. It helps that it's a kid's movie. You know, it helps that it's Disney. It helps that it's got the pre-awareness and the branding. I'm not sure if, you know, tenant would have worked the same way um, because there are people who'll just wait like, you know, Parents with children in a pandemic will happily spend whatever to get them to stop <laughs> acting. They just, just throw it at you. Watch a thing. Just give me two hours. Can you give me $30 for two hours of my time back? Done. But this has actually been something I've been thinking about for quite a while, even before the pandemic happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I was looking at you know the, the numbers of uh, for theater goers um, and that's really shifting. Even before we were... Um, we were forced to be at home. And in, in my mind, it had always made sense to start a model. And I'm curious who would look to that of, you know, this kind of release in the States, but in places like, I, I keep saying Africa is so untapped and mm. when I Africa, I mean, Africa. <laughs> <laughs> the continent. All the countries within there, because, you know, there, there was uh, for quite a while um, uh, this growth happening for theaters mm. and came like a, a bit of a status thing to then go to the theater in the way that uh, we used to have it, I think, in the States a, a bit more. In the mm-hmm. And that it was an event right. that you went out for. And so I felt like as those numbers are dropping for that here and new theaters are being built in you know, all across Africa by uh, Silverbird, that it, it for me, a release model that made sense was to have it available to stream out here and then in places where people were going to um, be willing to spend a whole lot more just to have the event of going mm-hmm. uh, have it there. It's, you know, but again, there's me trying to solve Hollywood. <laughs> you know, uh, again, not a bad idea. <laughs> solve it. We're fixing shit. Just in thought. Y'all can pay me later. 
Yes. In, in, in weather characters. Um, <laughs> I would like four weather characters, please. <laughs> um, our last story for the evening um, is, you know, I don't know if this is a good idea or a bad idea or just a thing we'll all watch to see if horrible things happen. But there's a reality TV show that's going to be called Space Hero, which will send the winning contestant to outer space. Um, it's a production company founded by uh, Thomas Reamer and Deborah Sass and led by some people from News Corp um, and like Ben Silverman, um, who ran a NBC for a while. But like a selected group of contestants will undergo extensive training and face challenges testing their physical, mental and emotional strength, qualities that are essential for an astronaut in space um, and the culmination of the competition where they will broadcast live this person launching into um, the ISS, I believe it is. Um, Space here is currently in negotiations with NASA to make it happen. Would you do this? Would you be a contestant on Space Hero? Okay, so here's the thing. I'm not usually I'm not usually the person for reality shows. Mm-hmm. To say, um, but I love space. <laughs> like I love it. A lot to the point you, you don't understand. Even up to last year, I was still applying to JPL. I'm like, please hire me for some kind of position. <laughs> and they're like, there's this person pretending to be a teenage Padaki that keeps applying. I'm like, no, I swear it's me. I swear it's me. Hire want, me, guys. I want space. I want space. <laughs> Give me space. I mean, you know, on my Twitter where I say, you know, trying to get to Mars, I'm not joking. Mm. I would be there yesterday. I mean, I feel like Mars is probably nicer than it is here. Probably. I mean, the weather's better. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, you can stay inside. You have to stay inside. But, like, it's way less crowded. Less fires, for sure. Earthquakes, not so many times. No viruses there at all. No murder hornets. No murder hornets, as far as we know. Yeah. I mean, and it might be a place to escape the zombie thing, unless you happen to take an infected person with you, and then everybody's just, you know. There's going to be that one guy. Who like doesn't declare it at the airport? It's like, do you have any livestock or uh, living matter or zombie bites? Yeah, no. <laughs> As anybody profusely? Yeah, anybody sick? Anybody come in contact with any pathogens? No. <laughs> Damn it, Milt! You were bitten by a zombie, and you brought it to Mars. Zombies. You, f- <laughs> you fucked up another planet, Milt. Why? <laughs> <laughs> you fucked up the last one. Now we're going to a new one. You fucked this one up too. <laughs> Yeah, but it's um, so, you know, I, when I found out about this, I was like, do I want to apply? <laughs> like, to? Could I? Can I please go? Because, um, yeah, I love space. And, uh, you know, this may be one that I would end up watching. And I'm surprised they got me. They yeah, got me. I, I would probably watch. I would hope that they would treat it with some level of reverence. Yeah, You know, and not like, here's the Daffy Puzzle Challenge to figure out who gets a helmet this week. <laughs> okay, <laughs> that there's, was bad. There's that version of it. There's totally the, the like, crappy survival challenge version of it. I, I assume they wouldn't go that route because, you know, you're going up to the International Space Station and there are a lot of people that you could endanger if you're not, you know, if you don't have it together. 
Yes. That's my viewpoint on it. Yeah. We the, like play it fair, play it for real. It should be like the right stuff, but sure. There's also going to be the, hi, my name is Phil. I run a bagel shop in Philadelphia and I want to go to space. Hey, <laughs> okay, I'm Phil and Phil's a great guy. I don't know what you have against Phil. I have nothing against Phil or Philadelphia bagels, but I'm saying that I would, I would hope that it's the best of the best and not like randos. I agree. And part of it, though, uh, too, is because there was a while I was doing research for mm-hmm. what film I was going to do. Um, <laughs> that kind of disappeared. But mm-hmm. um, but to see how much people put in to try and get up and people mm. trying for years and have been trying their whole pretty much their whole lives and have serious degrees and serious um, uh, like know how about all of uh, the goings on there, it, it would be a, an absolute shame if they did not treat it with the reverence that is due. Yeah, that that is all I would ask uh, people behind Space Hero. Um, I, I don't need it to be a bunch of like, we're forming an alliance and uh, we just don't like that dude because he's a nerd. And you know, like the way most American reality TV is. I, I'm um, hopeful. I'm hopeful. hopeful. Fingers crossed. Um, so yeah, that I think is uh, is the end of the news bag. Um, thank you, Yatide, for for rolling the news with me. Um, thank you. Hey, I can't believe I got to do that with with Mark. I'm, oh, I'm so so clamped. You were the best, and you <laughs> knew more about it than Kev ever knows about anything. So you win. I'm pretty sure Kevin wins everything. <laughs> Uh, JC, uh, I, I know that you're on there. You've been monitoring the chat. Um, do we have any questions from our um, viewers that are hanging around? I, uh, I do have some questions. Uh, the first one is from Renee Descartes. Um, <laughs> and they would like to know uh, if you were to write and direct a movie that is currently confirmed for release, which movie and whom does Yatide play? Ooh, Ooh a I'm movie here. that is currently scheduled for release um and who does yatide play um weather characters all the weather characters um (laughs) (laughs) uh okay if i was going to write and direct a movie that's currently slated for release i would write and direct dune um and i think i would cast yatide as um See, I mean, it's easy to cast you as Chani. Like, that's that's the easy way to go. But I feel like... I feel like Lady Jessica has more in it. Yeah. I feel like there's, there, there, there's an imperiousness there to play. There's a... There's some there's some real strength and grit, and there's a transformation of character in that. And you're also, like, you know, member of the Bene Gesserit faith, and so you get to do awesome cool shit. Like... Yeah. I feel like that's 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 the way I'd go. I'm on board for that. And also, I would just want a whole bunch of scenes where it's me, like, staring at, you know, the camera like this. Mm-hmm. And then my thoughts are being... <laughs> <laughs> the beginning is a very delicate time. <laughs> <laughs> that is my favorite part of watching, like, old school Dune is just... Mm-hmm. What they spent, like, it feels like hours of the movie are them just thinking stuff. Oh, yeah. My name is a killing word. Right, right. 
Muad'Dib. 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 Should I have another person I can say this to? No, no, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. Go ahead. Um, yeah. And then go into a whole, you know, fear is the mind killer. Yeah. I love it. See, we did it. I, I like to imagine the production of Dune being a bunch of people just standing on set while the camera's rolling and people shouting off screen the narration that they've already spoken before. So it's like, there's just dudes standing there like looking at each other. Meanwhile. Take this. Yes. Not yet. I will not kill the Baron yet. I must wait then for my time. <laughs> my name is a killing word. <laughs> it is the prophecy. <laughs> Where do I sign for the rich and famous contract? <laughs> I'm sold. Yes, Dune 2 Electric Boogaloo, we will totally get you in. <laughs> but I mean, on a serious note too, I would love to like to play Lady Jessica, but to see a black woman in that role. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm into it. Yes, for show. Mm-hmm. For sure. I mean, I'm glad that Zendaya is is Zendaya representing. She's representing, but she's doing a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I once worked with her back in the day. She probably doesn't remember because I was like, a, "Well, did I technically work with her?" It was on her Disney show. Mm. I was this evil British lady. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as you do. As you do. <laughs> My name is Madam Blimber Schmidt. Remember what her name was. <laughs> and then I got flipped over by by the, you know, there was the, the young child that was a robot. Oh my. I missed her show on Disney Channel. Back in the day, you know. Back before, in the day. Before uh so it's amazing to see everything that she's she's doing. She's killing it. Everybody's gotta start somewhere. Uh-huh. Um okay, so yeah, that's that's the answer. Dune and your teenage lady Jessica Trades. Okay. All right. Next question uh, is from Duck Nguyen. Uh, They are interested in knowing what remakes do you want to start today, knowing full well it may take years to actually make so that it would be relevant to the world when it comes out? That's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, it's, it's a hard question to answer because, um, there's no way to reliably predict what the world is going to be in, let's say, five years. Um, there are some things that you could, you know, at the very least say won't change that much. Um, sadly, <laughs> there's some there's some elements to, you know, both American life and global life that seem to uh, to persist despite um, best efforts, um, i.e., racism, sexism, misogyny, all of those things. Um, yeah, lots of isms that we can't seem to, to, to squeeze out of the formula. Um, but I think a remake that would speak to where the world is, um, I don't know why my head is going to Smokey and the Bandit, but, uh, but I kind of would like to see a Smokey and the Bandit that is like... Jonathan Majors as the bandit and uh and 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 like John Amos as Smokey and like because there, there's something about that story that's very like southern and very sort of rebel yell and you know confederate flag on the license plate and all that stuff and to find a way to subvert that while still also being about you know a rebel streak and you know American rebellion and all that 
but having the rebels be somebody that you wouldn't imagine as the rebels and, and, and have it also be a little bit about, you know, the, the, the road experience of your average black person <laughs> in America. Um, and, and what actually you are taking your life in your hands when you choose to speed, when you, when you're actually staring down the barrel of the police officers, you know, I'm going hundred miles an hour. I dare you to stop me knowing that, that, but I won't get a ticket on the other end of that. Um, I don't know. I have no idea what the story is beyond. I got to get X across the border in such and such a time. And I'm putting black people where they used to be white people. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I think we, we will keep having conversations about race and policing going forward. And if there's a way to, to subvert that and also still have it be charming and still have it be a little light on its feet and still have it be kind of thrilling and actiony while also being about something else. Um, I would like my standard rich and famous contract now, please. <laughs> Wait, there's someone at the door. Hello. <laughs> it's me, uh, Papa MGM. I've got your rich and famous contract right here. Oh, see, I think there's one I'd love to see you write. And I think I've mentioned this one before, mm. more on a hopeful note, um, <laughs> because we, we know how in, like, all the, in Star Trek and all that mythology, there's the idea that we passed, we grew up through a certain period. Mm. And I would like to see that incorporated into a film of like, yeah, this was the inciting incident. Like this was the period that made us go, you know what? We need to get our stuff together. Mm -hmm. we, you know, create a united front. And also let's say hello to the aliens. And maybe that's what makes, <laughs> <laughs> maybe what makes the aliens say, you know what, those earth people, not so bad. We're not gonna lock the door when we drive by anymore. I know, I know. I, I, I do find it amazing um, all the time that mm -hmm. this is also the year that the government was like, oh yeah, UFOs totally exist. <laughs> like, yeah, no, here are the pictures, here are the files, like, fuck it, yeah, there they go. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. But um, <laughs> murder yeah. So. But murder hornets and, and, and just regular murder. Like, have you met those things? Um, but the, the idea that oh yeah, aliens have been coming by relatively frequently and have not chosen to stop because we are still a garbage fire. <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually how they described us when, you know, they did the debriefings. They were like, Earth is a literal garbage fire, you know. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's like own risk. When we decode the music they played to try to communicate, it just says garbage fire over and over again. <laughs> I feel like that's that is what that's already the name of a band, right? Uh, I don't know. It should be. There's garbage. That's terrestrial garbage fire. Terrestrial garbage or extraterrestrial garbage. Either one works. Nice. I feel like we uh, we're gonna form a, a a punk band like a like it. Just very angry about the fact that we're a garbage fire. <laughs> nice to meet you tonight. We are the band, Terrestrial Garbage Fire. <laughs> We're here to melt your face and talk about sex and stuff. Terrestrial Garbage Fire. <laughs> wow, all the best ideas. These are gold. These are gold. You know these are, we should give these away. Like, sorry, we're cutting the stream. We're just going to keep these ideas for ourselves. Um, all right, JC, um, what else we got? All right. Uh, Rose Twins 2x2 two two is interested in knowing if you could own any car from a predominantly black or a person of color movie or genre property, what would it be? Uh, they like Blades and Paula. Ooh. Okay. That's, uh, that's pretty good. I'm trying to think. What can beat that? 
a predominantly black movie that had a badass car. And genre? Um, I mean, they're they're really fucking narrowing the the pipe here. <laughs> like, Where am I added on the genre? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, was there was genre in there, JC, or is is your teenage just or, or genre, person of color, black, or genre property? I go, I'll throw out uh, uh, Adonis Creed's Mustang in Creed <laughs> that he loses was fantastic. <laughs> nice. Okay. All, All right. right. Excellent. Now, now I feel like we got the parameters right. Okay. Um. Fuck. No, See, here's the thing. Like I. I'm going to modify the question to say it was also driven by a black person, not necessarily a predominantly black movie, because I want to choose Isaac Hayes's car as the Duke of New York in Escape from New York, um, which had the chandeliers on the front instead of headlights. Um, it was the coolest thing I had seen that wasn't like, you know, because I was a big fan of Knight Rider. I was a big fan of the General Lee, mm-hmm. problematic fave, to say the least. Um, mm-hmm. But but that car just spoke of opulence and power and ridiculousness. Like it's it's like the Batmobile. It's the Blackmobile. It's the Batmobile for like black people. It's, what is it? It's a giant friggin' caddy. It's a land yacht with with chandeliers on the front. Do we not have the Blackmobile yet? Because that sounds like something that's happening. <laughs> you know, again, good idea that we're just not we, we're we're getting into the world. Yeah, it's just for free. Yeah, it's all yours. <laughs> Go, be free. I, I would choose the Blackmobile. I mean, it doesn't exist yet, apparently, but we're, we're making it, I guess. We're, we're making it right now. <laughs> Done. Um, all right, I feel like Blades and Paula is a good pick. I feel like uh, Creed's Mustang is a good pick. And, uh, and I'm going to stand by the Duke of New York, a number one's um, chandelier encrusted land yacht. <laughs> um all right let's do let's do two more jc all righty uh darius taylor has thrown out for many weeks in a row uh, and is super interested in knowing who you guys think should play static shock Mm. who should play young virgil hawkins uh you know, I'm I'm of two minds. Um, I'm of the mind of like find somebody new and make a star. Mm. You know, the thing that Hollywood used to do all the time, which is like, hey, would you like to meet Natalie Wood? She's great. Hey, this is you know Michael Caine's first movie, mm. like Lawrence of Arabia, introducing Peter O'Toole. Like, I feel like we we. For IP like this, we try a little too hard to find, you know, somebody who's already acting and already in the world where you could just open cast and call. Find me the best person. Find me, find me Storm Reed. I know. can I can tell you a name that I don't think many people know yet, and he would be phenomenal, young man. Tell me, tell me. Jordan Hall, look him up if you haven't. Mm. Got to do a film with him about, oh gosh, how many years ago? It was called What We Found. And he got to, you know, he was a lead and this was his first time um, before that he had done, um, he, he, he has an incredible voice. So he had done Disney uh, mm-hmm. touring, uh, D- Disney musicals. I think it was like Lion King and stuff, uh, playing a Simba, but he's so talented. 
be so dedicated. And speaking to what you're saying about how there are these incredible people out there not necessarily getting all these opportunities. I, I mean, I could see him already just kill it. Mm. Um, I just wish more people were, you know, giving him the opportunities that he, I think he so rightfully deserves. So Jordan, yeah. Hall, look up that name because he's brilliant. Jordan Hall. Um, I, I will second you today's pick, even though I, I cannot <laughs> bring him to mind, but you got taste, so we'll roll that way. Um, I'd also add um, Jarell Jerome, who was in um, um, Ava DuVernay's amazing um, Netflix sort of the Central Park Five miniseries she made. Um, and I'm pretty sure that he won either an Emmy or Golden Globe for, for, for that. Um, but yeah, he's, he's fantastic. Um, but yeah, I, I I like that idea of like bring me a fresh face, bring me somebody, you know, who who I haven't seen before, who could absolutely kill this and and just engage with it in a way that you know th- there's something really lovely energy wise about somebody who realizes that this is their thing, you know, and that that level of just investment and like this is my shot, and I'm gonna give it everything. Um, and who knows if I'm going to get another shot. So I'm going to leave it all in the field. I'm going to leave everything on the stage. I'm just, I'm, I'm, there's no holding back. This is, this is everything for me. And, and if, if I ever get the opportunity to start casting people and stuff that, that, that I get to write, it's find me that person who is invested in it being a success as much as you are. Mm. For whom it is not just another role, for whom it is, it is some kind of dream come true. And if, it's if, smart. yeah, I mean, it, 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 it helps you all row in the same direction, right? Where you're all trying to make a thing good and you're all as invested in its success as, as, as each other. And yeah, it, it helps you hopefully build a team. It helps you build a unit that all wants to succeed. And, uh, and so, yeah, find a new person, find a, you know, make somebody's life. <laughs> make somebody's life. I want that on a t-shirt. <laughs> make somebody's life. Um, all right. I think we got one more question, JC. Yeah. All right. Last one is from Braden Gossi. Mm-hmm. What do you think deserves a biopic if it hasn't, if they haven't gotten one yet or who deserves a better biopic than they got? Mm. What you got? By now you've heard me talk about Zynga, right? Uh, I, I, the name is familiar, but tell the people. Okay, she's a 17th century Congolese queen. Um, She was brilliant. She managed to, in her lifetime, uh, drive out the slavers. Um, They did come back after she she passed because Mm. people were not able to hold up. But she's literally a warrior queen with this incredible mind. She is Braveheart meets Elizabeth meets Cleopatra. And this is a woman that lived through history that we don't tend to hear about. And it's just, you see this epic picture. And the way I came across her was actually, I saw a picture that was uh, recreated by a Portuguese Capuchin uh, of the meeting that she had with the Portuguese uh, to negotiate with them, which she totally, (laughs) she pulled the rug out from underneath them, but they had removed all the furniture uh, around her so that when she arrived she would have to stand before them as a supplicant they removed that so that she would know her place 
<laughs> he walks in with a retinue of warriors. They see the situation without breaking stride. One of the warriors gets down on his hands and knees. She sits on her back, does on his back, does the whole meeting from there. And that already had them thrown. Like, <laughs> what just happened? Uh, so much so that they had to record it in history. And there's a kind of begrudging respect of her um, because this woman was incredible. And I just want to see that film. Mm-hmm. Now I want to see that film. Yeah. Why don't we have that film? Why don't we have that film? I'm trying. Come on, Hollywood. <laughs> Another one we have to talk about. So yes, no, that's holy shit. That sounds amazing. Um, <laughs> that's yours. And yours is so much better than mine, um, because yeah, as with all things. Um, but I'm I'm gonna go with uh, Hannibal. Mm-hmm. Hannibal of Barca, the great general who uh, who sort of brought Rome to its feet, um, who was from Africa and who marched elephants across the Alps and who, you know, just he 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 is for that's the reason why we know that we have the name Hannibal. Like it's not it's not like he was in a baby book and people are choosing Hannibal as a name for people. Um, it's because he was a titanic figure of 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 history and especially military history. And that story. Um, has never adequately been told on the screen. Um, and I would also advocate for, and I've done it before in the podcast, and I'll do it again until it happens. Um, Alexandre Dumas, um, who wrote The Three Musketeers and The Count of Monte Cristo, um, had a father who was the only black general in Napoleon's army, um, who was born in Haiti, um, uh, and and like transcended, like he was born free in Haiti, um, came from money, came back to France where everybody is free in France. Like apparently that was part of the code. Um, once you set foot on French land, you're free. Um, enlisted in the army and became like, ultimately is the model for the Count of Monte Cristo. He was the, the good man who was betrayed by the people that he loved and sentenced to prison um, who then would escape um, but instead of exacting his revenge, he just went and had like a quiet, small life on the other end of it. But, um, but it's a, it's an insane, romantic, daring do adventure filled um, story that, uh, that at one point Idris Elba was going to star in like a, an FX miniseries that never happened. Um, but yeah, there, there's a book called the black count, which is phenomenal and tells that story. But I mean, it's it's it is one of those. Here's the man who inspired the greatest adventure stories ever told, um, and he was real and he existed. And his son would document these stories and invent um, and embroider them with flair and and daring do um, merely to help turn his father, who he didn't know very much, into the hero that the world never saw him as. Mm. Um, so yeah, I would do either of those after we did Zynga because holy crap, that's. Well, I want to see both of those now, too. We should just make all of them. We should make all those. Again, Hollywood, we're just, we're here, just spinning gold for you. I don't know what else you want. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Wow, I feel feel like I could talk to you for another three or four hours. um, This is fun, Mark. Because we're nerds and nerds getting to nerd out and it's been a while and I do miss you. And I'm so glad that you were able to, uh, to, to break off a little bit of your Saturday night uh, to hang out with me. Anytime. I mean, you saw as soon as you sent. <laughs> <laughs> like, yes, please. When, where? 
I'm here. <laughs> Where do you need me to be? Um, what do you uh, What do you What do you got that you want to tell people about? What are you passionate about? What do you What do you have in the world that uh, that you'll or you'll be bringing to the world shortly? What do you want to plug? Plug me some shit. Well, um, you know, I did that audiobook by Kweke Amezi uh, called "The Death of Vivek Oji," mm-hmm. and they're really near and dear to me because getting to do a book that's um, speaking to queer Nigerians. I mean, that's. That's not something that I really had the chance to play with before. So that's out mm-hmm. and getting, you know, really great reviews from like New York Times and um, NPR and all of that. It's been getting a lot of great attention. Um, also, you might have heard that I wrote and produced something called In Hollywood Land. I heard a thing about a thing. Yeah, but a thing about a thing. So it's been really exciting. We've been on the uh, festival circuit. Uh, something that I produced along with Karen David from Fear the Walking Dead mm-hmm. and uh, Jess, uh, Jessica Sharif, uh, who also directed. And we have, you know, Dominic Burgess in it from, I mean, everything. <laughs> I say with him, like Star Trek and, mm-hmm. you know, the magicians. And he's just an incredible uh, actor. We have Jen Richards. We have Luke Youngblood. And, of course, Karen and I within it. Um, and we did American Black Film Festival. We did Benton, uh, Gina Davis's Benton mm-hmm. Film Festival. And uh, just now we're doing Catalina Film Festival. Nice. And we just, Hollywood Reporter just uh, spoke to uh, the fact that we'll be in Holly Shorts. Um, so, yeah, it's been really exciting uh, to have all of that. And so I'm also doing some more writing. So we'll Good see. for you. Oh, we'll see some things soon and um, also some animation. So you'll see my name around. Um, but as you know, we'll be doing uh, a panel for season three of American Dolls. Yes, at New York Comic Con, right? Mm-hmm. So Good. There. Yeah. Now, did you guys wrap production before the, the nightmare hit? Yes, we did. We just did. And it was kind <laughs> of like, all right, we're flying you home now. And I'm like, really? Because I kind of want to stay here in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> It's cool if you leave my bags here. Like I missed the plane. You should have heard me negotiating, Mark. I was like, <laughs> what if we don't send me back? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we wrapped. Good, good. And so that's in October, early October. Yeah. Um, the panel at New York Comic Con. That's great. Right. And they're like metaverse. I think is what they're calling their their version of an online convention. Um, so yes, I, uh, I I implore and encourage all of you to tune in to that panel. And if you're not caught up on American Gods, you should catch up on American Gods. I mean, because A, it's good. B, what else are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but making time for good things. That is literally the pitch for everything now. What else? <laughs> yeah, come on, where else are you going? <laughs> what are you about? Um, that's awesome. Where can people find you on the interwebs? On the interwebs is very easy. It's just my name. So on Instagram, it's Yetide, Y-E-T-I-D-E. You got in there early. Yeah. You beat all the other Yetide Badakis. Well, here's the thing. There apparently aren't any others. <laughs> so <laughs> there's that. Um, and then Yetide Badaki on Twitter. That's Y-E-T-I-D-E-B-A-D-A-K-I. Nice. Um, Again, thank you so much for coming. I'm sorry we didn't have an ad to read because um, I feel like we might have had some fun with Manscaped. What? <laughs> I want to hear all about this. Can I use Manscaped? I have so many questions. 
<laughs> and there are questions that I, you know, may not have answers for. Um, but uh, we didn't have to do an ad read. Um, you've plugged all the things you wanted to plug. I'll plug um, yeah. these folks who make these t-shirts for me. Uh, Resistance is fertile. Um, go to embattledclothing.com. And if you use the code MARK15, you'll save 15% off your first order. Um it's feeling a bit like this is a time where resistance, we need it to be fertile because we need it to, to, uh, to grow a potential for a better tomorrow. Um, and that will only come if we fight for it. So um, everybody fight. And if you feel like buying a t-shirt, uh, be my guest. Um, if you don't, that's fine. <laughs> that's okay. It's not keeping lights on. Um, but um Thank you so much, Yutide, for, for coming and hanging out with me. Um, oh. It means the world. Always, Mark. And uh, it sounds like after this, we have some pitch ideas we need to talk about. So. I, I feel like we do. I feel like we do. It's time to, uh, to, to form the, the production company that will uh, take the world by storm. Uh, Standard Rich and Famous Productions. Yes. <laughs> What's that? Someone's at the door? No. Oh, hello. <laughs> Earl Disney, is that you? <laughs> um, so that is it for this episode of Black Man Beyond, subbing for Fat Man Beyond. My name is Mark Bernardin. I'm Yatita Badaki. Um, and we will see you next week um, uh, when Kevin returns from the, the great, uh, I don't even know what the weather is. I'm sure it's not on fire in New Jersey, but let's say the, 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 the big easy on the big East Coast. Um, and yeah, we'll see you for another episode of Fat Man Beyond. I'm Mark Bernardin. Um, tune in next week. Same fat time, same fat channel, smodcast.com or youtube.com slash Kevin Smith. Uh, thank you, everybody. Good night. Be well. Be safe. Wakanda forever. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at smodcast.com.